0: College circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Well, hello, 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 my friends. What a beautiful day for episode 100. Man, oh man, when I first started this show, I I knew that I would continue it on and really put a lot and ton of effort into it. Simultaneously also producing another podcast called From Sobriety to Recovery which is hitting, it's almost at 120, I believe. Um, I started that one on January 1st-ish of 2019. And I started this one right around May, I want to say. And so doing two podcasts at once, both of them being operated mostly as a solo show with very few guests, wasn't the intention for this one. For some, From sobriety recovery it was always meant to be a bit of a of an audio vlog, blog kind of, this has been my experience in sobriety and recovery and personal growth and development as an NLP first practitioner, then master practitioner, and now an NLP trainer as well. With the College Success Habits Show, it was always meant to be an interview-based show where I would go off and I would find people at universities, uh, administrators to talk about study habits Uh, you know, calling up the the student success centers and getting those people on board to come on the show. And I had started to really get into that flow. Uh, You'd be amazed how difficult it is to get random people in offices at universities around the country to come on a podcast, because they're not used to that, right? Like we think about the millennial generation, which many of you are in, uh, we're just used to social media. We're used to doing TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and you know the myriad of Snapchats and all the other social media apps. Like Being on a microphone just sort of seems like that's how we were raised. And I say we, I'm Gen X, but at the same time, I, as soon as all of this tech, tech came out, I immediately just began to adopt it. I've always been a fast technology adopter kind of person, but not people- randomly being called in offices. And then the pandemic hit, and 15 months of the show has been with that. I hadn't even gotten to the one-year anniversary of the show before the pandemic just absolutely crushed so many of the things that this show was searching to attain to. The book hadn't even come out. I was I had universities lined up to have me come speak. Um, I was already starting to get more administrators to say yes, and then all of a sudden everybody got sent home. So we've done a majority of this show under the umbrella of a pandemic. And attaining a hundred episodes and doing it mostly every week, missing a few here or there for various commitments, um, doesn't sound like it's a lot, especially for any of y'all who've ever done one. And you know, you think, okay, it's you hit record, you edit, you post, it's no big deal. There's a lot of preparation and a lot of thought that goes into each episode because just like anything you want to do in life, you want to do it well. You want to put 100% of your effort into it or why do it at all. And I don't just want to get on here and just randomly talk about things and not be succinct and not bring you points and and not be able to wrap it up into a nice little bow and say, look, this is where you can apply it. Now go apply it and then evaluate how it worked in your life. Because just because it works for me or just because I say it doesn't make it true right i mean there's there's subjective and objective facts, and a lot of the things that have worked for me um are subjective to my time, my energy, my discipline, my effort, my flexibility. Where are you add on that spectrum, I don't know this show is is cookie cutter you, you know I try to make it as to the point for each one of you, knowing like being able to picture you in my head whenever I'm doing this, especially since so many of you have reached out at the same time. There has to be a certain amount of cookie-cutterness to it because I have listeners in over 100 countries. I have people, you know, at hundreds of universities around the world listening to the show. I don't always know where you're at, where you're doing, what's going on. Case in point, one of my avid listeners literally was in Israel whenever the whole Israel-Palestinian conflict recently happened. Like, I can't possibly fathom what that must be like to have missiles landing bombs going off in the, in your city as you're visiting your family getting ready to pre- prepare to go to pharma- pharmacology school like that's not something that I've ever experienced so my ability to empathize with that is limited although if you go back to the tony robbins's six human needs when we seek to be empathetic as humans we can just go and look at that list certainty variety love contribution personal growth um significance When these things are taken from humans, then, and we've all had at some point in time, our certainty, our safety um, jeopardized. We've all found the uncertainty and variety in life to be overwhelming or to be beneficial or wanting more of it. We've all sought more love or contribution or significance or personal growth, right? These are things that we can ebb and flow desiring in our lives. Sometimes we don't want them. Sometimes we do. And when we seek to be empathetic towards others, we can look at these six human needs and look at where in our life these things were taken or given, right? Where was the ebb and flow? That's how you can empathize. When we say that the best way to communicate and to connect with another human is to empathize with where they have been in life, it doesn't mean that I have to have been in a a country being bombed. It doesn't mean I have to have been on the beaches of Syria or somewhere in North Africa wanting to get across to Greece it doesn't mean i have to have lived on the street but i definitely have had my safety my certainty taken from me or me willingly giving it away because i was a drunk alcoholic i certainly have had my uncertainty my variety i've certainly watched my my love or my significance with other people uh, wane or just be completely cut off because of a, a breakup out of a relationship. So you don't have to have experienced exactly what that other person has in order to empathize with them. You need only look for the connection in your life where one of your human needs was also jeopardized. And then you can start to realize, oh, okay, they had, their, they had to run from their home and escape to another country. Obviously, that didn't happen to me, but I, have, had, I remember a time when my parents uprooted us and I had to leave all my friends behind and how sad and confused and angry I was because of that. Theirs might seem to be on a different scale, but we're not sitting here trying to score points on somebody else's trauma versus ours. Yes, I may not have experienced what you did, and that was tough for you, but I have my own experiences that have mattered to me. and when we can meet in the middle and say, "Wow, we both have had our safety, we both have had our certainty um, jeopardized, now there's a validation, and that's when we can really bond with another human being and so, as we begin to continue this journey of the next fifty and hundred, and who knows how many more episodes, I think it very important to step back and, and ask ourselves, like, what is our life really made of, right? We've talked so many, so many episodes, right, about what it is that we're seeking to attain in our life by going to college, by seeking secondary education, by listening to personal growth and development podcasts such as mine and reading books that I talk about, and books that you've introduced me to. What is our life ultimately made of? And when we go and we start to ask ourselves, you know, is it experiences? Is it memories? Is it laughter? Is it joy? Is there's, there's so many different things that any one person could say, this is the meaning of life. For me, I believe the meaning of life is is to learn and grow and develop my sense of self and my awareness and my soul. Because I was put on this planet for some reason and seeking out whatever that reason is. and am I guaranteed to figure it out? No, but am I absolutely committed to seeking it? For sure. You know, uh, there's a, I think it's some sort of philosopher. I think his name's Rumi or Rimi. And uh, I don't really think I would know this since I'm getting ready to quote him. But one of the quotes that I came across a while ago is that which you are seeking is also seeking you. And when you make a point to seek, um, personal growth and development, when you make a point to seek up leveling your physical body, whether it be through nutrition or through exercise, when you make an effort and decide you're going to start to up level your emotional intelligence and you start to really focus on your self-awareness, your self-management, your social awareness and your relationship management, that which you're seeking will also seek you. You will literally manifest it in your life because your mind starts to seek out ways that you can develop it within yourself. Very much, if you've ever ever heard of the book or the audio or whatever called The Secret, it talks about manifesting things in your life. It doesn't mean that you can just sit on your couch and say, I want a million dollars or I want a good job or I want a loving relationship. It's that you put it out in the universe that that is what you're seeking. And then your brain will go off and it'll start to create it for you. But there's action. Fourth principle in my book, take action. There's always going to be action involved. You can't just passively expect your life to get amazing without putting forth any effort. And then we start to look at where in our lives are you trying to develop your mental acuity? You're all, for the most part, going to school in one variation of another, whether you're a traditional or non-traditional student. You all have some variation of that going on. So where are you up-leveling your mental acuity? And where are you being mindful of your spirituality? And I don't necessarily mean religion, although many of you are religious. This is more based on our beliefs and our opinions and how they tie back to our values and how everything connects back to humility and gratitude and integrity. And as much as I seek to be a man of integrity at all times, I certainly have made decisions that have that would lead other people to believe that my integrity is questionable. And I've done this even in in my sobriety. And I'm not always happy when I look back at the decisions I've made, but I say, okay, well, how can I learn from them? You know, I can apologize to the universe if I've hurt somebody else in my journey as I've grown because I wasn't being as self-aware as possible. And I can seek their forgiveness, whether, you know, saying it to their face or just sending it out into the universe and saying, I am sorry that I did this to that person. You know, I hope that they are able to move forward with their life and do what will make them happy and release anything that came from this. Because being angry at somebody else over something is like drinking poison and expecting me to be sick, right? You're the one holding in that anger. You're the one holding in that frustration or that jealousy, or that or that thought that you were taking advantage of, right? You release that as a lesson and say, okay, moving forward, now I know. Let's try it a different way. So as we go and start to really break down our lives, and we start asking ourselves, well, what is it that we can ultimately seek to add to our lives to continue to up-level it, to, to continue to become this person that we ultimately want to be? What are the things that we can start to take into account? Because there's a thing about time. It might seem like it moves slowly when you're young. And Albert Einstein has some very great theories on this in in a book. Uh, In fact, Einstein's Dreams is a book I read when I was very young. And somebody had taken all these different papers that Einstein wrote about time as he was researching the theory of relativity and put them all into a book and then created a story around it. And so some of it is fiction and some of it's nonfiction, but it's fantastic to read, Einstein's Dreams. And in one of them, it talks about how time moves the way that it does. Uh, When you're young, it seems to move slow because you're very much at the center of like a spinning circle of time. And as you grow older, you get further and further away from the center. And so the outer edges have to move faster to stay up with the center. And so that's what's happening in our lives. When you're one to 10 years old, time seems to move so much slower. But as you get older, you're in your 20s and your 30s, time seems to just fly by. One way or another, time is moving forward. So when huge decisions need to be made in life, you can continue to procrastinate on that decision, or you can really start to evaluate what in your life do you need to be, do, or have in order to make this decision and to move forward. So there's some factors that we're going to talk about in today's episode, episode 100, because if you're not being aware of how you're making decisions for what you ultimately want to be, do, or have in your life, it can seem like you're just making decisions randomly. And you can be putting thought into them, and you can even be making what you believe is to be a sound decision. But if you're not quite sure of your decision-making process, you won't notice the patterns that are being established in your life. And recognizing the patterns shows you your habits. And knowing whether you like that habit or not will help you ultimately know, feel, see, and hear in your life if you're you're achieving the success that you desire. A lot of the times we will use a decision-making process that very much served us when we were younger, but no longer serves us now. But because we have been doing it this way for so long, we don't even recognize that it's holding us back. And so let's talk about some of the components that go into how we will create our lives so that you can just be mindful of it, right? If you find yourself doing some of this, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or bad, right? That's objective versus subjective. And we'll go into that here in a moment too, because what's objective and subjective is really up to what you you know. Objective is things that we know as fact, whereas subjective is what we think of as fact, which is actually Something that we have constructed in our mind to validate something we want to believe or think about ourselves or others or the world, right? Sometimes we think what we're thinking is fact because we believe it so much to be true, but it's really just our subjective um, view of reality. This happens in politics all the time. Some people think, "Nope, my my side is right." Well, it's subjectively right according to you, right? The it, it is 6.29 a.m. on a Thursday morning. That's objective. That's a fact right now. Now, whether I think that this is early in the morning or late in the day, that's objective. I could be like, oh my God, it's so early. It's 6.30 a.m. Some people might have already been awake for two hours. I have been up since five. So I don't really think 6.30 a.m. seems so early right now. All right? But if I'm used to getting up at 10 a.m., then 6 a.m. would seem pretty damn early right now that's subjective. So let's discuss how you're creating your life, the decisions that you'll come across. And just, this is just going to be a really nice way of being able to ask yourself, what are some of the influences I'm using to make decisions in my life? And again, we're just, sit, we're just desiring to sit in the seat of our awareness and not question whether we're right or wrong just questioning whether this is how we want to continue making decisions moving forward. So make sure that I'm being clear about objective versus subjective. Resourcefulness and objectivity over one's life is extremely important. Asking yourself, what are the resources I really have? What are the resources I desire to have? If I want to be a successful student, if I want to do the things that a successful student does, if I want to have a life of a person who's successful, what resources am I seeking to accumulate in my life to make that, to facilitate that in a more um, flowing way, right? Like if you're constantly needing things and not realizing that you already have the resources inside yourself to begin to make that happen. We're constantly in this scarcity mindset where you need, need, need things. And even whenever you get these things, you don't even realize how much you've accomplished in the getting of them because you're constantly in this need, 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 need mindset. If if you're in abundance, then you realize that you already have the resources inside of you to attain and to achieve these things that you want. Yes, you'll need to learn more things. Yes, you'll need to accomplish more things to put them on your resume to look good for some other person who's going to judge you off of words typed onto a piece of paper. But who are you? Who are you as the person sitting there in front of them? I have said in the book, and if you haven't gotten it, College Success Habits on Amazon, I've even lowered the price down is a special summer summer special. So I think it's about eleven or twelve bucks for the paper book and it's, it's I think about five bucks for the Kindle version. So absolutely go get that. I talk about in the book that if you can embody these seven powerful principles, any experience on a resume can be attained by anybody who's willing to just sacrifice some time, energy, or money to in order to attain them. But being able to embody these seven principles will make you magnetic to somebody who's seeking to hire you. If you've developed a growth mindset, you cultivate courage, you're decisive, you take action, you embrace discipline, you exercise flexibility, and you embody tenaciousness. There is not an employer alive who does not want somebody who is those seven things. And so when you start to look at objective, what we know as fact versus subjective, what we think as fact, because we've told ourselves it's true in our own lives, right? That's is something that's extremely important. Somebody else might say math is boring. You might think math is extremely exciting. Either way, it what the, each of you is saying is completely subjective to your own reality. Math is neither exciting nor boring. Math is just math. It just exists. It is just numbers and and division and multiplication. And it gets more and more complex the deeper and deeper you get into it. But at its core, it is just numbers. It is just a way of figuring things out, using things that are universal quantifiers, right? Two plus two, two items and, and another two items when added together become four. But in a different language, it's, it sounds completely different but either way when you take two items and you put two items next to them whatever civilization wants to call four items placed next to one another is still four it might be different words it might be a different way to to acknowledge that to our brain but it's still four different items regardless of what their word for four is so when we start to step into how we are ultimately creating this life. There's this really cool thing I learned a while ago, and it's it's that money, time, and energy is what life is made of, right? And whether you want to agree with that or not, and I know I just said the word right as if I was seeking you to agree, and I'm not. I'm just seeking to discuss here. But in life, there's money. And that's how we accumulate external resources, and that's how we also accumulate internal resources, You want to learn something, you have to go buy a book. You have to go figure out a way to get it. The fourth one in this is people. Money, time, energy, people. These are the four things as an entrepreneur, everything comes down to. Everything. In one facet or another, it comes down to money, time, energy, and people. And so you can always go find a person who can help you get smarter. Right? And that's where the the fourth dynamic comes in. But in life, money, time, and energy is how we start to really differentiate the different um, versions of life. When we're young, we have a ton of time and energy, but we don't have the money to do the things that we want to do. And of course, we're young, so we're pretty much just beholden to whatever the adults in our life decide we we can do, where they want to take us, what's attainable. But we have a ton of time and energy. Think about when you were a teenager, ton of time and energy, not a whole lot of money. Not a whole lot of freedom from the other people in your life. As an adult, we step into a world where we have more money and we have more energy, but now we have less time. That's where you're at right now. Of course, in college, you might question that you have whether you have a ton of money or not, but you can always go off and get another job and make more money. You can start to manage your budget better and and therefore have more um, extra money to spend on fun things to do, and you have a ton of energy. But all of a sudden you have very little time because you're working a job or two. You're going to school. And when you get out of school, now you're definitely going to be beholden to a job. And they're going to want you there at a certain amount of time. And because, you know, at least many of my listeners are in the United States, we give very little vacation time. You know, if you're in Europe, France, they get like a whole month, right? Like I've got a friend who lives in France. He's like, oh yeah, they shut the whole country down in August. Now, lost on me is the fact that the Tour de France is in July, and as soon as that's over, the, basically the whole country gets the month off, right? So depending on where you live, how much time you get to enjoy life is going to be a huge variation. And then when we get into the later phases of our lives, senior citizens and retirement, all of a sudden we have a ton of time and money, but we have a lot less energy. So when you're young, ton of time and energy, adult, money, and energy, and then as you get into the later phases of life, I called it old age, in my show notes, you have time and energy, but less money. So time, energy, money, and people. These are the four primary resources that we are looking at establishing our lives with. When I think about whether I'll be able to continue doing the show or where I'm going to go with my coaching career, it's like, okay, well, do I have the money to be able to afford this? Do I have the time to be able to do it? Do I have the energy to push forward and accomplish it? Do I have the people that are necessary to grow the business? No, there's not a successful business alive that doesn't have at least one person spending money at it. You might create a product and you only need to have one client because that client will pay you $50 million. But still, nonetheless, you need to have people in order to grow a successful business. And we as humans often forget that the human interaction, how important that is in our lives. and how we, Nobody succeeds in a bubble. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak, uh, Warren Buffett, the Koch brothers. You name a billionaire that exists on this planet, and tens of thousands of people played a part in that. There, there will be those people who blindly call them self-made millionaires, but I can assure you they didn't do it in a bubble. They didn't do it alone. There was money, time, energy, people. Those four aspects are always involved. They can't not be. In one variation of another, money, time, energy, and people are going to be involved in every single thing that you do. So how are you managing your money, time, energy, and your relationships, the people in your life? And I mean, really ask yourself, how are you doing that? When it comes down, and this might end up being a two-part show because I've, I've got some really great stuff in here, but when we start to think about time, ask yourself, how are you spending your time now? Where can you change your budget allotment of your time in order to start doing the things that you feel drawn to do? How much time are you wasting not moving toward what you desire because of procrastination or perfectionism or this I want it now mentality as if everything can just be based off your lack of impulse control? Yes, most of us don't want to have to wait for something we really, really want, but it is in the journey to our destination that we learn and that we grow at the beginning at the end of January I was pushing close to 193 195 and I generally like to be at about somewhere in the 170s 180s but because of the pandemic and because last year I I had a surfing accident at the beach which left me with some neck and back issues and some nerve damage in my arm I wasn't able to work out and because it was the pandemic. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can't really go and do much of anything anyways. Why don't I just eat a little bit more sugar than normal? And before I know it, I'd gained over 30 pounds. So ultimately I decided, well, I need to be more active. And so I started walking 10,000 steps a day. And after doing that for the whole month of February, while I was creating my online course, Wise Mind Empowerment. And if you've ever decided that you're really looking for a toolbox for life, I introduce you to Wise Mind Empowerment. This online course that's self-paced will absolutely introduce you to what I believe are some of the most valuable tools you can have in your life, regardless of what age you are. I really did create this as a toolbox for life, and it's going to continue to grow because I continue to learn new things and and grow myself. So I will be adding to it because there's never really a toolbox that's completely built up. Ask any mechanic. But going back to the original point of my weight and nutrition, journeying through February with the steps and then getting into Beachbody.com and and using their Insanity Max 30 workout with Sean T., And then the weight starts to shed off, and then there's ebbs and flows. And some weeks I lose a pound or two, and other weeks I gained four or five pounds. I learned so much on that journey. And ultimately, the destination was to get back to my high school weight, which was about 155 to 159. And I know at 45 and 6'3", it's not the healthiest weight to be at, but it was just a number I chose to seek if I could do it knowing I can just, I'll I'll be able to put muscle back on and I I still quite muscular, but I'm not quite the size that somebody at six, three should be. But I just wanted to see if I could learn how to manipulate my nutrition enough to achieve something of that magnitude, especially, you know, getting into this middle age. And I'm using air quotes here because age really is more about your energy and your attitude and less about the actual number of age. I'm sure I have plenty of listeners out there who are being told they're too young to do something, yet they feel like they are more than ready for it. Keep that in mind when you see somebody in their 40s or 50s and you think they're old. They're only old because you think they're old. I can assure you when you get to my age, if you've got as much energy as I do, you will. the last thing you will feel is old. You want to start feeling old, start having children. They will definitely take away your time, energy, and money. <laughs> And they will drain you, my friends with children, definitely look a little bit more haggard than I do, so and it's just not nothing against the children. it just takes a lot of energy. But the weight and nutrition right either I may have wanted to lose that weight super fast, but if you've ever noticed anyone who crashed diets, the faster you lose the weight, the more susceptible you are to putting it back on because your body didn't get used to what you were doing, so it's in that journey with time that we start to realize that there's only so fast that you can do things, right? It is the discipline and it is the determination to do it every single day that truly grows you as a human being. So ask yourself, how are you spending your time now? And is it really benefiting you the way that it could be? If you really were to go out and look at your time and say, I don't have the time to do that. We all have time. What we're not, what we're really saying is I'm not willing to prioritize this thing that you're introducing me to. We all have enough time. It's just a matter of what we want to prioritize. We, We are not able to prioritize everything because then nothing is a priority. So it is very important to start to frame things as it's not that you don't have enough time. It's that you, you aren't willing to prioritize it. You might be extremely busy right now, a packed schedule, and all of a sudden you chop off your finger while cooking dinner tonight. I guarantee you, you will make the time in that moment to go to the hospital to have them reattach your finger. You won't just toss your finger in a glass of milk and say, you know what, I'll deal with that later. I got to study for this test. You make time when something's important enough to you. And your own well-being, your own personal growth and development, your own up-leveling of your life is important to you. So choose what it is that you really want to be doing and, and know whether what you're prioritizing is absolutely benefiting where you ultimately desire to go. When we start to think about money, whether you can or cannot afford it, if you want it bad enough, you will reallocate resources just like you would with time. So where in your life are you spending money that you'd rather allocate for something more beneficial? Where are you wasting your money on, and I say wasting, again, that's subjective. Uh, Where are you wasting your money on Starbucks or pizza or dinners out or movies, random things? How are you mindfully keeping an eye on your budget? Where are you going to the bar and dropping $75 and then paying your electric bill 11 days late? Where are you going off and eating extravagant meals with your friends or just eating out every night in general, blowing through four or $500 a month because you don't know how to go to the grocery store and cook, and then you wonder why you're paying your rent late or why you're constantly scrounging at the end of the month to cover your rent? Where are you not allocating your finances in accordance with what is actually going to benefit you long term? Another thing that people, right? So we have money, time, energy, people. These are the four main components. So whenever you go to make a decision, one of the ones that I hear a lot is, I don't know uh, who else will do it with me. I have to go find somebody else to do this with. See, it is human nature to want to do things with others. But when you hold everything you want to do to that mindset, you cut yourself off from experiences unless you can actually find a sidekick or a cohort. and. Always needing to have somebody there with you when you want to do something is really going to limit what you're able to do because then you're constantly seeking someone to go with you. My mom told me at a young age, I'll never forget this, my junior year in high school, I wanted to go to a concert. And I was like, but I don't know anyone else who would go with me. And ultimately she went with me. It was an Aerosmith show. But she's like, look, I want you to get comfortable, Jesse, doing things on your own. Because if you're constantly looking for somebody else to go to concerts or movies with you, then you miss out on the experience of being able to go do that unless you find someone who wants to do it with you. And I really took that to heart. And I got very comfortable going to concerts by myself. Because I don't want to miss, you know, Keen or The Killers or Franz Ferdinand or Pearl Jam. I don't want to miss those shows coming to town just because there's not somebody who can stand next to me while I'm listening to this music. Yes, it would be awesome to share it with, with someone else, but it, I, it's not my experience and my decision to go isn't predicated on finding another person and expecting that they're, they're going to be on time. I stopped going to concerts with my cousin because she consistently made us miss the opening act, and in some cases, we'd show up when the main act was already three, four songs in. And I would get so frustrated because I wanted to get there early and see the opening act and really enjoy the experience. And she just, she wouldn't even start getting ready for the concert till it was forty-five minutes away from starting, right? So we wouldn't even get there till an hour and a half afterwards. Uh, it had already started, and I was like, "I'm not, I, I can't do this with you anymore." And I just started going. I'd give her the ticket and be like, "Yeah, you get there whenever you get there. I'm gonna go ahead and just leave now." And she thought it rude. I thought it rude that she was wait, that she would making me late. Either way right? Subjective versus objective. She thought, hey, we when we get there, we get there. It's no big deal. That wasn't going to cut it for me. So where do you hold yourself back by always needing somebody else to be doing something with you? Are you comfortable enough in your own skin to just go to a restaurant and sit at a table by yourself and enjoy a delicious meal, right? You don't even have to be staring at your phone. You can sit up at the bar and you can have the TV playing, or you can just sit at a table. Just enjoy the delicious, savory, delicious, yumminess of your food and not care if everyone thinks oh my god that person's eating alone in reality most people are probably thinking that person's super cool because they're just willing to go enjoy a delicious meal without needing somebody else there oftentimes i just like to sit there in silence and enjoy my food i don't need somebody else across the table so where in your life are you being held back by yourself because you want somebody else always standing next to you when you do things Another objection that you'll find that will hold you back in life is that you'll question whether something is actually for you. I'm not really sure this is the kind of thing that's for me. I'm not sure this is for me. I hear this so much when I talk to potential clients or when I talk to friends or when I talk to people who listen to the podcast when I'm out speaking. Hmm, I don't know if this is for me. What I'm really hearing is a person being held back by their limiting beliefs. When did you decide that this isn't for you? If you've gotten all the way to the point where you have uh, learned about something and now it's a decision to learn more about it, or you've talked to someone and now it's the, the point in the conversation, what's your decision, whether to commit to something or not. If what you've heard is sending you a gut feeling of, yes, this would absolutely be awesome. Let's bring this into my life. Then you have to question why you think it's not for you. Is it a limiting belief that you won't be able to achieve it? Or is it a limiting belief that you don't have time, you don't have the money, you don't have the energy? All of those things are limiting beliefs. They hold you back. They limit you because you believe them to be true. Where in your life is saying things like that a pattern? Seeking to discover our patterns is one of the most important things a human being can do in their life. Because it's in those patterns that we create our life. You create your identity around what you consistently do. And so if you're consistently making decisions based on limitations and limiting beliefs, then your life will be limited. You will not seek to push yourself higher. You will not seek to go do things on your own. You will not commit to things that cost money, time, or energy. Because you will doubt whether you will follow through, and you will be looking at your past experiences and memories has validation that you won't be able to follow through. When in fact, creating our life based on our past is one of the worst decisions that we can make. It is literally one of the worst decision-making processes you can find yourself in. Making decisions off of your past, because just because you did it then doesn't mean you'll do it now. Who are you now versus who were you then? Where have you grown? And for some of you you might be like, Jesse, I was, you know, straight A student in high school and I was the leader of this and I was the president of that. So clearly my past tells me that I can always succeed. What your past tells you is that you did succeed. It does not tell you that you will succeed now. And just coasting by on past experiences, expecting everything to be cruise control an easy button is a, is a mistake that people who were successful at a very young age will make as they grow older, thinking that what they accomplished back then will just make things that they want to accomplish now magically happen. These are the people that you find who were studs in high school, and then all of a sudden their life started to wane off. Think Al Bundy from that old TV show, Married with Children. Yeah, great. You were a high school football star, but now you're selling shoes in the local mall. What you were then is not who you are now. Effort, time, expenditures of energy. That's what will determine if you continue to succeed in life, not that you've succeeded in the past. For every millionaire entrepreneur who finally had a successful business, there are multiple business ventures they first tried that didn't work. And even if they did work and they went off and sold it for you know $10 million because they were some unicorn in Silicon Valley, that does not guarantee that the next business venture they have will be successful. Everything is new. And, and trying to predicate your success based on the past is not going to actually prove to you anything in the present, let alone into the future. It can absolutely give you confidence or it can destroy confidence, but either way, that was what you did then. You can now have the confidence as this version of you and say, "Okay, yes, in high school I wasn't uh, that well known, or I wasn't that successful, or I didn't put my foot out there. But now I'm in college, and now I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to be held back by my limiting beliefs." Do you ever have to? Do you ever find yourself needing to talk to someone else to confirm whether you should make a decision in your life? in my coaching world this is called internal versus external validation if you need to have someone else confirm a decision you want to make for yourself right rather than rather than finding it internally whether rather than making the decision based off something that you heard or something that you felt or something that you saw that gut visceral reaction that's internal validation Wanting to make a decision and be like, oh, I really want to go to this university, but let me ask 20 other people what they think about this university first. Let me ask 20 other people what they think about this major. Let me ask 20 other people what they think about this program. Let me ask 20 other people what they think about this band. Who cares what those other 20 people say? Plenty of times I've been told that a band sucks or that a movie sucks or that an experience sucks. And I've been like, okay, cool. That's your subjective reality around it. I'm going to go experience it for myself. I go experience it. I actually like it. Or maybe I don't. It doesn't matter. I experienced it. I now get to make my own decision around it. If you make decisions internally based off of a feeling of gut, something you hear, something you see inside of yourself, there's very much an internal driver in you. If you're constantly seeking external validation, then your life is going to be created by the whims and opinions and beliefs and values of others. And is that really how you want to ultimately look in the rearview mirror and see your life? Your past is your past for a reason. It only exists in your head. It doesn't actually exist in this present moment. So now in this present moment, how are you going to make this decision? Based on some sort of polling of people that are in your vicinity, Who will decide whether you take this huge leap in your life? Or do you really sit down and say, what benefit will this bring me? Am I ready to commit my time, my energy, and my money to it? I don't care what other people think. I believe in this so much. I know this is going to benefit me so much. I'm going to make this decision on my own. I'm going to make it. And whether it succeeds or fails is all going to be predicated on me. And failure isn't even really failure. It's feedback. So if you base everything off of, hey, I'm going to get some feedback, pro or con, I will know better because I will have tried. As you begin to look at different things in your life and you start to really ask yourself, am I making money? Am I making decisions based off time, energy, money, or people? These are some of the things that we've talked about in this show today. Do you seek internal or external validation for your decisions? Oh, When you say things like, I'm not sure this is for me, are you limiting yourself based off of your beliefs and your previous experiences? Is this a pattern in your life? If you're looking for other people to do things with you, how is that holding you back? How is needing other people to be involved in the things that you do? Can you just go to a movie or a restaurant or a concert by yourself and enjoy that experience without having somebody else's desires being attached to that? Going back to that concert story, one of the coolest things about going to concerts on my own, I get, to, I get there when I want to get there. I can go to the bathroom. I can get myself a bottle of water. I can, I can do whatever I want while I'm there. I don't have to wonder if somebody else is enjoying it or having a good time or if they're going to want to leave early or if they need to go to the bathroom. And None of that stuff even has to be in my mind. I just get to be there and listening to the music. When you start to make decisions around money, when you say that you can't afford it, is it really that you can't afford it? Or is it really what it is it you're just not willing to change the way you're currently spending your money and making your decisions? If Again, if you need to reallocate resources to get something, are you willing to stop eating out all the time or going to the fancy coffee shops and paying five bucks for a latte? Where in your life are you saying that you don't have the money, but you really do? You're just not spending it correctly according to what you actually want. Only you get to know whether it's correct or not. And again, that's very subjective. It's based on your own desires and needs and wants. But if you really want a, a, a newer car and you say, well, I don't have the money to get this and you looked at your credit card statement, I bet you'd be able you would be able to find $100, $200 a week that just seems to be going to things that aren't as necessary. Yes, you need to eat, but do you need to eat out? Or do you start to watch... TikTok and YouTube videos and learn how to cook some baked dishes. And now all of a sudden you're saving $500 a month and boom, now you get that new car. And then time, time, energy, money, people. These are the four things that, are, that, that literally create our lives. These are how we make decisions and time is the one that I hear so many people talk about. It's not that you don't have the time, it's that you're unwilling to prioritize it in your life. And that's neither good nor bad. It's up for you to decide. If somebody's like, hey, I really want to go see this movie. And I'm like, yeah, I've already got things I've prioritized in that slot. I'm sorry, I'm not going to cancel the things I've already put in my calendar to go do this thing that you want to prioritize. Right? To me, that is not a mean thing to do. It is not a mean thing to say. I have what I want to prioritize, other people have what they want to prioritize. What I've decided to prioritize. And what they've decided to prioritize is completely up to each one of us. It is, again, neither good nor bad. If somebody's feelings get hurt, then it just means that they really wanted you there. But why did they want you there? Was it because they're afraid of doing things alone? Or is it because they really wanted to spend time with you? They really wanted to have you in their energy field? You have to really step back and ask, what is their motivation for getting mad at you or getting happy with you for being involved in something that they want to do? Time is the one resource that is literally, it is, it is non-renewable. When it's gone, it's gone. So where can you start to change your allotted budget of time? Where are you blowing an hour or two a day staring at your phone, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on Snapchat, looking at all of these disposable trends, all these disposable memories, Right. I don't get on Instagram sometimes for days, but guess what? If I want to see what somebody else posted, I can find it in their feed. Oh, I missed their story. Oh, well, it was just a blip of time in their life, and I, I neither was aware of it, and I'm still not. So now, as, we, as we've gone over time, as we've gone over energy, as we've gone over money, and as we've gone over people, you can write these four things down on a piece of paper and ask yourself, how are you spending these? And if you really see it as a budget, as that as, as, as you only have so much of these things, it really starts to make how you spend them and, and how you allocate them become more important to you. Not to bring about stress, not to bring about anxiety, but to really open you up to just the idea that these are things that you're spending in your life. Are you being mindful about them? That's the beauty of just of the mindfulness that you can have when you just sit down and ask yourself some simple questions like this, money, time, energy, people. Well, again, when you're young, tons of time and energy, but no money. When you're a, when you're at a you know when you get to teenage adult that 30, 40 something you've got tons of money. Well, again, tons. I mean, that's again that's subjective, but you have money and you have. You have energy, but you lack the time. And then you get into old age, and you have the time and the money, but you lack the energy. This is at least something that somebody once came up with. I personally think I know many sixty and seventy year olds that seem to have a ton of energy. Now, are they, you know, getting up at you know at six in the morning and staying up till midnight and partying? No, I mean they they spend their time differently, but nonetheless. It's it's an, all about an allocation. So when you're young, time and energy. When you're in adulthood, money and energy. When you're in old age, time and money. I honestly believe that if you shift the way that this looks and you start to see it a different way, you actually realize that you're in abundance whenever you decide you're in abundance and you're in scarcity when you decide you're in scarcity. If you know something is important and you want to achieve it, you will make every single sacrifice necessary in order to achieve it. It's what we've done when we were getting grades in high school. It's what we're doing when we're in college because there's this promise that if we get this education and we have this piece of paper, well, there will be a job that will that will pay us for our experience and our intelligence. Now, clearly we could dive into the economics of a post-pandemic Society that we're now in, and ask ourselves, are there really these jobs that people are being promised will be available when they come out of school? Right? You need a thriving economy, a growing economy, because every year hundreds of thousands of new graduates step into the workforce. And there may not be hundreds of thousands of people going and retiring out of the workforce, but that's for another podcast. For today, episode 100, I allowed us to go way past where we normally would. But I really thought it important as we hit this 100 episode that we really figure out ways that we can take stock of our lives. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? How are you spending your energy? How are you spending uh, all of these three things with other people? These are the four things that that you now know are actually controlling your life, time, energy, money, people. And whenever you go to make decisions, ask yourself, are you making this decision based off of time, energy, money, or people? And are you okay with that? If you're okay with it, hey, it's your life. You're okay with it. If you're not, then it's your life. Change it. We're not seeking to judge right or wrong here. We're seeking to understand. We're seeking to step into a seat of awareness where we at least question why we make the decisions we make. And that, my friends, is a success habit that you can take all the way to the bank. Not a real bank necessarily, but that bank inside of you that allows you to know that you're putting forth your best foot, your best energy, your embodying tenaciousness. You're being impeccable with your word. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. And And the most important person to be impeccable with their word toward is yourself. Using time, energy, money, people as a simple system to question whether the decisions you're making are actually what you want to be making is just a humongous benefit and you now have this resource. What you do with it is all based on how much you're willing to spend your time and your energy and your money and your allocation of relationships toward this. Be mindful of how you are creating your life and I can assure you As your life continues to grow, you will feel more fulfillment because you will be standing in the seat of awareness that you made the decisions absolutely with your eyes wide open. And I can assure you, having been an adult, sort of, kind of, for a little while now, most people aren't doing this. This gives you a leg up, a step forward. and This isn't a competition against other people. Every single day, When you look in the mirror, that's your competition. Be better than the version of you who went to bed last night. Be better than the version of you who got up this morning. When you're mindful about that, then you're having an all the way up life. See you again next week. Thank you so much for almost an hour of your time. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed by every single one of you who listens to this show. One freaking hundred. Oh, my goodness gracious. I just thank you if you would like to know more about the wise Mind empowerment online course, go to at jesse mogul on instagram d m me leave me a message. Let me know you raise your hand. I will call upon you. I would love to tell you more about this. We see how it can grow. I've got multiple programs and projects where you could be involved. You could learn how to open your mind up, release limiting beliefs, release trauma, release suffering, study better, uh, release anxiety, release stress, uh, grow your time management because you realize that time is in abundance and it's no longer a finite. Whatever it is that you're seeking to change within your mind, that is my specialization. That's what I love to focus on. The how of how the brain thinks, the why of why we make decisions, the what of what it is that we're trying to achieve in life. There is nothing that is beyond your reach as long as you reach out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please come find me on social media. Much love. Episode 100 in the books. Here's to another 100. May we all be blessed. May we all be merry. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Until next week, my friends. Take care and bye-bye.